0: So today, what we're going to do is we are going to start a new topic uh, called the Wounded Healer, and uh, it is a topic that really I was prompted by when I was thinking about the phrase uh, in the book of Isaiah, and we'll look at this tonight a little bit, where it says, by his wounds we are healed, and I began to think about what does that really mean? How does it relate? And uh, in the email that I sent to all of you, you'll notice on the very back page, there's a couple of resources there that uh, I'm going to touch upon as I prepare my material from week to week. The first resource uh, is called The Wounded Healer by Henry Nowen, and the other is called Echoing Hope by Kurt Willems. Uh, This Echoing Hope book is a new release and it is something that I think is going to be profitable to uh, pay attention to and to uh, use as we think a little bit about how uh, the ministry of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus uh, help us in healing from some of the wounds that we experience in our own lives. So I'm going to put the... um, I'm going to put the PowerPoint up so you can see a couple of things here. And, and you can see the graphic that I'm going to use is uh, Doubting Thomas touching the side of Jesus in the post-resurrection appearance to the disciples. I think that's apropos. Thomas had some his own issues that caused him to doubt about the resurrection of Christ until he touched the wounds in his hands and his side, he would not believe. And once he had the opportunity to touch the wounds of Jesus, he said, my Lord and my God. Now the subscript to this title uh, slide is when we lay our wounds upon the wounds of Christ, it does not multiply woundedness, it initiates healing. that's kind of the sub-theme I want to explore and to tease out a little bit over the next few weeks. So when we think about the wounds of Christ, not increasing our hurt and pain, but actually healing them, that is a goal, hopefully, that we'll have by the time we're at the end of our study on Wednesday night. So having said that, um, let's begin. And the concept of a wounded healer it has been pondered on for a number of years, actually thousands of years, and I'm going to show you side by side the Isaiah passage and the way Peter uses that passage in his writings in First Peter chapter 2 in just a moment. What we find is this phrase, by his wounds we are healed. It's a part of the suffering servant songs in Isaiah. There's five different songs that are written in that context. And when you read the whole thing, and it's fairly lengthy, so we can't do all of that tonight, but you'll find that when you read that, you could almost say, boy, is is this describing Jesus? It's almost as if the particulars there are such that you go, how could this prophet write hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ, write so precisely some of the things that he went through? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to pick out a few little things uh, tonight and look at them. And uh, here's what it looks like. So I here's a side by side here. Um, you'll notice it, uh, First says in Isaiah chapter 53 verses 4 through 6, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, each Of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So that's the first uh mention of uh the wounds that bring healing. And then if you look at First Peter chapter two, verses 23 through 25, Peter quotes this Isaiah passage, and I think I'm gonna try to move this down. Let's see if I can move this down here so you can see both passages okay so uh it says when they hurled their insults at him he did not retaliate when he suffered he made no threats instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness now here comes the phrase that was found in isaiah by his wounds you have been healed for you were like sheep going astray but now you have returned to the shepherd so these two phrases found in first in isaiah and later recorded in peter uh, is this fascinating uh, thing that i want to talk about uh, for the next few weeks and While we might be familiar with the biblical phrase, this phrase, wounded healer, actually found its way into the field of psychology. And in modern, relatively modern culture, the term wounded healer became familiar through the work of a Swiss psychoanalyst by the name of Carl Jung. And he lived from 1875 to 1961. And his basic idea was... That um, an analyst, whether it's a doctor, a counselor, a pastor, is compelled to treat patients because that analyst, pastor, doctor, psychologist, uh, counselor, is, is trying to reach out from their own woundedness. Now, we'll try to test that theory as we go along a little bit but Jung believed that he had discovered an archetype uh, of a wounded healer that goes as far back as Greek mythology. And so this um, particular topic is one that not only has kind of a biblical reference, but it also has uh, a, a psychological reference as well as a mythological reference as well. So We're kind of working at this tonight from a few different angles. Uh, Eventually though, beginning next week, we're gonna kind of focus straightly, uh, straightly, uh, straight upon um, Jesus, his life, ministry, miracles and healing as it relates to this. But I thought this would be a good uh, foundation to get started. So let me stop there and see if you have any thoughts or questions before I move to the next slide. And we kind of take a look at some of the things that are there, anything? Okay, so we're first going to uh, talk just for a moment. I think it's interesting that um, when Isaiah is written, the people of Israel have already been uh, in bondage to Babylon there is a changeover when the Medo-Persian Empire defeats the Empire of Babylon and Cyrus allows um, the uh, Jewish people to go back to their homeland. But by this time, they've already been kind of inundated by uh, Hellenism, uh, which is the influence of Greek culture. Now, if there's a connection here to what is being taught in Greek mythology I have no idea, but I find it interesting that Greek mythology mentions this particular concept, and then Isaiah mentions it in the servant songs. So in this mythological origin, um, there is a healing centaur, uh, which is half horse, half man. Uh, We've seen pictures of that in various places. His name is uh, Chiron, and he was considered a wounded healer. Um He was poisoned with an incurable wound initially by one of Hercules arrows. And this wound left uh, Chiron with an unbearable pain that he could not get rid of. What's fascinating is Chiron's name is derived from care, uh, a Greek word for hand, and it meant something like uh, one who is skilled with their hands. And then the myth goes on and, uh, puts uh, an adjoining uh, word to it uh, where it, it comes out to be translated a surgeon, which is a fascinating uh, concept. A, um, a care, a care, u, uh, ugros, uh, then becomes surgeon. And um, the key concept is in this mythological story is he couldn't heal himself but he sought to heal other people. And so the Greeks actually thought that Chiron was uh, an inventor of medicine and surgery. And then this term kind of later develops uh, to kind of describe the professional field of psychotherapists, nurses, uh, doctors, pastoral counselors, even ministers as well. So that has a little bit of the initial um, uh, thoughts on that, but it doesn't st- uh, stay there. What happens is a Greek um, mythological origin is, is explored a little bit further by a Catholic priest by the name of Henry Nouwen. He lived uh, from 1932 to 1996. And while Carl Jung may have developed this concept of a wounded healer, Uh, that's recognizable to mental health industry. Uh, It was this Catholic priest. uh, Hi, folks, come on in. No, this is a Bible study. Um, AA meets uh, uh, Sunday night, Monday night, or Tuesday night. It depends upon which one you're looking for. Okay, okay, you're welcome. And um, and so um, it uh where was I? Jung uh, made it a concept that's recognizable to the, me- the mental health field. Um, but he was also very religious and he wondered how faith played into this. And so uh, he began studying uh, this idea of a wounded healer, not only from his um, theological education, but he began to study psychology as well. And ironically enough, Henry Nouwen also suffered from bouts of depression. And that's what motivated him to study psychology, to try to understand himself a little bit better. And this became his popular work, The Wounded Healer. It was was printed and sold in 1979. Uh, The subtitle of it is called Ministry in Contemporary Society. And basically, he was trying to develop uh, a couple of thoughts here, and uh, what he was trying to uh, show us is our own experience, whether it's loneliness or depression or fear, can become a gift to other people, and to enter into solidarity with another person uh, asks us to enter into their place of pain and uh, to share in that, and that's where healing can occur. Now, interestingly enough, you didn't—you guys didn't see this, but three people came down the stairs and, and just kind of poked their uh, head into the uh, social hall here and asked if this was the AA meeting. And of course it's not, but fascinatingly enough, um, this idea of a support group like AA or let's say grief uh, recovery groups or whatever it may be is built on this very principle here that a person that struggles with alcohol or drugs or somebody that's going through uh, some type of grief, um, they are the best people to help touch other people that are struggling with the same thing. Does that make sense to everyone? Any thoughts there? So here's what Henry uh, Nouwen said, he said, uh, this is a quote of his, our life is full of brokenness, broken relationships, broken promises, broken expectations. How can we live with that brokenness without becoming bitter and resentful, except by returning again and again to God's faithful presence in our lives? And this is where the wounded healer concept by his wounds, we are healed, I think, begins to make an introduction into this particular topic. Jesus touches our wounds and we are healed because he himself has gone through those wounds as well. We're going to see that in a moment when we look at um, the fact that um, the only religion um, on the face of the earth that has a wounded God is Christianity. But before I uh, develop that, here's a quote from another book called Kitchen Table uh, Wisdom by Rachel Naomi Remen. Uh, She said, the wounded healer was one of the most important archetypes identified by Carl Jung. He viewed Chiron as the ultimate example of how we can all overcome the pain of our own suffering by becoming compassionate teachers and showing others how they too can transcend their own pain. You see, the wounded healer is someone who has gone through great suffering and learned from their experience, from the experience. Through transcending their own suffering, they are drawn towards the path of service, leading them to help others. This process strips away the selfish, ego-based feeling of being alone and isolated in their own suffering and woundedness. Instead, through seeing the wound through different eyes, they can see this suffering in others, and they can therefore lead others to find ways to overcome their own suffering. Their wounds may never fully heal, as Chiron's didn't, but they can help heal the wider ailments of humanity's shared life. So I thought that was a good quote. Uh, it's from the book, Kitchen Table Wisdom. Any thoughts or comments there? Okay. So um, to now begin to relate this to our faith, I want us to think about a concept here that, um, uh, I heard Erwin Lutzer say this one time. Erwin Lutzer was the pastor of Moody Church. He said, Christianity is the only human religion whose God has wounds. Um, when we think about um, Christ's life and mission on the uh, face of the earth and how He brought about healing uh, through miracles and so forth, this particular concept of the wounded healer, though, uh, in particular, relates to his Passion Week uh, more than anything else, and the suffering that he went through uh, from Palm Sunday through Good Friday. So, a couple of subpoints here that I think are important: Christians believe that Jesus' mission on Earth is the ultimate illustration of the principle of the healing of others through sacrificial suffering. The New Testament indicates that Jesus allowed himself to become weak and to suffer torture and death for the sake of God's greater healing purpose. Now, we'll look at the Isaiah passage in just a moment, but the suffering service uh, passage in Isaiah, especially chapter 53, um, is a picture of a wounded healer that finds its ultimate fulfillment in Christ, because that's what Peter is doing in quoting Isaiah chapter 53. But how it relates to us in particular is quite important. So the first place I want you to turn in your Bible is to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Now the book of Hebrews is a fascinating study because it is trying to show uh, to us that Jesus is a better High priest, uh, he offers a better sacrifice, um, and so forth. And in chapter four, the writer is going to make a point about why Jesus is a better high priest than the high priests that we find uh, that come from the line of Aaron and uh, the tribe of Levi. So beginning in verse 14 of hebrews chapter four we're going to see how this relates to the wounded healer it says therefore and of course whenever you see a the word therefore you stop and ask what it's there for. um and it, it looks back and chapter four up to verse 14 is talking about a sabbath rest for the people of god not a day in which you rest but kind of a a spiritual and emotional rest that Jesus gives. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not, here we go, have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There you have the concept of the wounded healer applied to Jesus. He was tempted in all ways that uh, as we are yet without sin, but it enabled him because he is wounded to sympathize with our weaknesses, and ultimately bring about the grace that is needed for healing. Now, this same idea was mentioned in chapter 2 of Hebrews as well, and verse 18, so if you just go back a page, at least in my Bible, you're going to find um, it says, well, let's begin in verse 14 there as well, because I think that's important. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Then it talks about how uh, angels help, and um, and then you come down to verse 18, and it says, because Jesus himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted, so between chapter 4 and chapter 2, it's this idea of the wounded healer, whether it's through temptation or actual physical and emotional suffering, is able to come to our aid, and that's why he is a greater high priest, Um, and When you understand that and then look back upon the life of Jesus, you will see Jesus healing the sick, telling parables of compassion, uh, and even admonishing the religious leaders of his day, reinforcing this idea of being a sympathetic high priest, being a sympathetic person, being a wounded healer that enables other people to overcome some of the obstacles and some of the challenges that they face in their own life. So is all of this making sense so far? Um, Any questions that might help clarify it? Or do you have an insight or anything like that that you want to share? Okay, so you're you're going to find this uh, concept of a wounded healer when you start looking for it in a variety of different places in the Bible. So it's found in the Psalms. So like in Psalm 34, verse 18, it says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's Psalm 34, verse 18. So the Lord is near to those who are wounded and comes alongside. Uh, In another place, it talks about how Uh, He will not break uh, a a tender reed and so forth, that uh, God is very aware of the type of things that we struggle with. In the parable uh, uh, that Jesus tells in Matthew 25, uh, he concludes after he basically chastises through this parable the religious leaders of his day for not coming to the aid of people who are in their need. Um, He says, the king will reply when judgment day comes. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. In other words, you are walking in the way of the wounded healer when you reach out and you try to touch other people in their woundedness. Um, I think that we're meant to identify here. With the Lord, when we see other people uh, who are weak, traumatized, struggling, and when we are wounded healers, um, we are not only to see Jesus in them, but that's one way that they begin to see Jesus in us, too. Um, And so um, you think about the stories that Jesus told. Uh, he often said we are to love our neighbor as ourselves." Uh, but when he told the story of the Good Samaritan, and we're all familiar with that story, it's found in Luke chapter 10. It's a story of one coming to the aid who is physically wounded. Uh, he's been beat up along the path. All these religious leaders pass by. Um, they look the other way. They don't help him, but a Samaritan comes along and a Samaritan picks him up and takes him into town and pays for some accommodations and asks the individual uh, to take care of this individual, nurse this individual back to health and so forth. And maybe what we might miss in that story is the fact that this is a Samaritan, a Samaritan is a person that carries wounds. They are hated by the Jewish people in Jesus' day. They're considered half-breeds. Jews would go around the territory uh, when they're traveling down uh, from Judea up to Galilee. They wouldn't even pass through Samaria. That's why the story of Jesus talking with the Samaritan woman at the well in the region of Samaria is so surprising to the disciples um they are wounded um emotionally they are wounded um in their identity they're wounded in their self-esteem and self-worth because of the way that they are looked down upon but jesus makes a samaritan the hero of the story and here is one who has been wounded no not physically like the individual that's been accosted on the road but emotionally um he is an individual that in his woundedness identifies with this individual laying alongside the road and, um, and, and picks him up and begins to nurse him. So that's an angle to the story that maybe we haven't thought of. He is a wounded healer. He is an individual who has been wounded himself and he reaches out to help others. Some thoughts on that at all? Now, here's a passage I do want you to turn to, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So Corinthians, 1 and 2 Corinthians are the writings of the Apostle Paul. And in 2 Corinthians, he's trying to defend his apostleship. And it's an intricate argument that he is given in 2 Corinthians, uh, and actually, a lot of scholars think that 2 Corinthians is a is three letters to the Corinthians that have been merged together. We won't get into that. But 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 12, Paul uh, makes part of his defense for his apostleship, uh, a part of his defense is the fact that he is a wounded healer. So what I mean by that is, let's begin in uh, verse one. Many times in Paul's writings, there's a touch of, how do I want to put this, arrogance? He's got a very strong personality. And he is an individual that is a doctorate in theology, being a rabbi and all that type of thing. Um, And there's a lot of things that he could boast about but in chapter 11 uh, he talks about his sufferings he boasts about his sufferings Uh, maybe we should read that chapter but we won't we won't we don't have time to do to go all through that right this second but his conclusion after he boasts about not his education not his position not his wealth not his family of origin but his sufferings he then says this, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 12, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to the visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. Now, most scholars think that he is referring to himself here, that he had this out-of-body experience experience vision from god and it says and i know that this man whether in the body or apart from the body i do not know but god knows was caught up to paradise uh he is he heard inexpressible things things that man is not permitted to tell i will boast about a man like that but i will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses in other words He's he's referring to himself uh, as kind of in the third person so that he's not boasting about this experience, but what he will boast about is his weakness. He says, even if I should choose to boast, I wouldn't, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Now here it is. To keep me from becoming conceited, because of these surpassing great revelations, there he's just showed us his hands. He had been talking about himself (laughs) in the uh, prior paragraph. Because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. We don't know what this is. A lot of scholars think that he had eyesight problems, Um, whether that's true or not. I don't know, their case is kind of built on the fact that he had to have an amanuensis secretary uh, write his his letters for him. Uh, He didn't write them with his own hand, so you try to piece that puzzle together. Nonetheless, he had some woundedness of some sort uh, to keep him from boasting and being conceited. Now, verse 8, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. I prayed, God, take this away. God, take this away. God, take this away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Not strength. Weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about what? My visions? No my strengths, no, my position, no, my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Do you see here? His power resides in the fact that he's a wounded individual physically. Um, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong fascinating he is putting himself in the position of being a wounded healer in other words it is out of his pain that he brings promise and hope and help to those that he is writing to and that involves a lot of different things physical pain he had been if you read the book of acts he had been driven out of all the cities in his missionary journeys Um, he was arrested he's thrown in jail, eventually he'll be martyred, but in all of this, he is boasting about these things because that's the way it helps other people. Wound to wound, heartache to heartache. And so this idea of a wounded healer is found even here in the core of Paul's defense of his own apostleship. You have some thoughts, comments there? Okay, so as we move on, we might say that wounds help heal the world. What are some of the wounds that heal the world? In some mysterious way, our wounds and even our sadness has the power to help and heal other people. And they are at the center of how God desires to work in us and then through us. And you'll notice here a couple of uh, thoughts. Both Isaiah and Peter suggest that the suffering servant or servants, plural, because we don't know who Isaiah is really referring to in his passage, but they are the key to the healing of the world. So uh, Peter says it this way, that Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross. In other words, Jesus' death, his wounds, does something, and the common way that we put it in theological parlance is it atones for something, it it, it pays for something, uh, it provides something, uh, forgiveness and salvation, that type of thing, but it's the gist of his death uh, that helps restore something that mankind has lost, and that's the relationship with God, and so we might ask the question where did peter get that idea i already showed you my hand earlier in this bible study it is found in the book of isaiah so turn now to isaiah chapter 52 isaiah chapter 52 and i just want to show you here that there are several different uh songs that have been written this is poetry as well as prophecy that isaiah is giving um and then what he is trying to do is is strengthen um the readers and we know this because in verse one of chapter 52 it says awake awake O zion signs another word for what jerusalem all right clothe yourself with strength Put on your garments of splendor, O Jerusalem, the holy city. So at the core of all this is trying to provide strength for the people through all the things that they have gone through when they were deported, uh, they were uh, taken captive by the Babylonians, and so forth. Now, as part of his strength, Beginning down in verse 13, it says, see, my servant will act wisely. Now, the key question that um, scholars wrestle with is, who is he talking about here? Some people think that he's talking about himself. Other scholars think that the servant is talking about the entire nation of israel and then others because peter applies it to jesus thinks that it's messianic in nature and that is talking about jesus um, hundreds of years before he goes through these things um but he says see my servant will act wisely he will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted just as there were many who were appalled at him His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him for what they were not told, they will see and what they have not heard, they will understand. So he begins to relate now to this servant that is so wounded it's almost as if he, he can't be looked upon. Have you ever seen wounds that are so severe you have to turn away? You just can't look at it. Then you come into chapter four, uh, three rather. And then now here, I want you to listen to some of the, the words. And you can see why scholars, some scholars have taken this and, and jumped it straight to Jesus because of the way it's described. So um, verse two of chapter 53 says, he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. So the first thing is, uh, this individual uh, was completely abused. Then it says in verse 4, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and here's the line, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each has turned to his own way, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Then it goes on, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth, he was like a lamb uh, to the slaughter, and a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And then the rest of the chapter goes on and, and it continues. And, and this whole description almost, you go, ah, this is talking about Jesus. This is, this is what Jesus went through um, in that Passion Week. And if you read the whole chapter, you'll find that he, um, he goes through this torturous wounding And then you'll find it says, by his wounds, we are healed. So we don't know exactly. That's what we're trying to tease out. How does that work? Um, Many uh, will argue that this is, you know, talking about the nation of Israel as a whole when they were uh, in uh, enslaved, um, you know, all the way from Egypt, all the way to Rome into the New Testament, really. Um, The only period of time that they were free was under uh, the kings um, that um, God provided, Solomon, David, uh, that type of thing, Saul. Um, But I want you to notice something in this passage. It talks a lot about wounds, but it never says he dies. Isn't that fascinating? No place in the chapters that does it actually talk about his death. It seems as though the focus is upon his suffering. And that seems to be the emphasis of Isaiah. Peter will take it a little bit farther. And he'll take that quote and he'll apply it to Jesus' death on the cross. But not Isaiah. It's talking about suffering. Um, doesn't actually talk about him dying, although there's a hint to the fact that he uh, will will die. Verse 9 of chapter 53, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Um, Eventually he dies. Did he die from these wounds? It doesn't actually pinpoint the moment like jesus when he hangs upon the cross and he says he breathes his last and he says it is finished but it's implied that this leads to his death but it never actually says he dies it only says that at some point this servant will be assigned a grave with the wicked is it because of these wounds or is it later isaiah doesn't tell us um Again, verse 12, though, hints at it. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death. Is that now with all these wounds or is that the totality of his life? And he was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made trans, uh, intercession for the transgressors. So it's a, it's a difficult passage to figure out who he's talking about is isaiah talking about himself uh, at this point um, is he anticipating his own death is he talking about the nation of israel is he talking about jesus now ultimately the new testament writer peter will look back and say this applies to jesus Of course, the New Testament writers do that. They will take portions of the Old Testament and they will apply it to their situation. Um, But, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a one-for-one prophecy fulfillment necessarily. Uh, Sometimes it is an allusion to a particular passage. And then it's changed up just enough to see that the New Testament writer is trying to use this to make an argument. Uh, within his own context and his own situation. Okay, that's a lot. Boy, that's been a mouthful. Um, Any thoughts, comments, or questions that I can help clarify this? So all I'm trying to get you to understand at this point in this introductory uh, study is there is something about woundedness that God uses in his overall mission uh, on earth to heal people from their suffering and their wounds so that brings us now to the suffering savior so you have a suffering servant in isaiah then you have a suffering savior that uh, peter talks about in the reference that we already read so first peter the whole book is about suffering Um, and there's a reason for that. Uh, First Peter is written to a group of Jews that are called diaspora. They've been dispersed out from their homeland, and they scattered, and uh, the the diaspora Jews uh, that he is writing to wonder if uh, they did something wrong because they're suffering, and I like the way the old King James uh, uh, translates parts of first, uh, first Peter. Uh, the old King James says, think it not strange when various trials come upon you. Think it not strange. <laughs> think it not strange. In other words, don't be surprised when certain uh, issues and sufferings come upon you. But the way Peter will take this is he'll then apply it to the cross and It seems as though the cross is where God in Christ decisively acts to heal the wounded world. Now, it will take time, but that's one of the things that Dietrich Bonhoeffer talked about uh, in a book called God in the Manger, Reflections on Advent and Christmas. He says, human beings become human because God became human. In Christ, the form of human beings before God was created new. God created humans, and when we look to Jesus, we see kind of the prototype of what uh, God wants humans to be and humans to do, so um, the rest of this study is going to be primarily uh, talking a little bit about um, uh, the life ministry and eventually the death of Jesus as the way um, the uh, God heals a wounded world, and um, this I was so surprised because this this wounded healer uh, title is something that's new to me. I had never heard it before. I had never heard of this book by Henry Nowen called The Wounded Healer. I did not know that Carl Jung used it. I did not know that it goes all the way back into Greek mythology. Um, It's fascinating that I was just kind of thinking of it in terms of uh, uh, taking this Isaiah passage, seeing how Peter uses it and just came up with the title Wounded Healer, kind of out of the blue. And boy, talk about uh, a luck of the draw, I guess. In the sense that I used a term that is found in a variety of different places. So there's five minutes left. I'm going to try to show you a video clip, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to close out this PowerPoint. And um, and if we, if it gets hung up, like I've had experiences before, uh, this happening. Well, then I'll say goodnight um, right now to you that are online. But hopefully you'll be able to see this. And um, let me go down to this here. We're going to share the screen one more time. And we're going to put this up. Can you see that... um, that uh, says Dr. Gabor Mate speaks about the wounded healer. Can you see that online? Mm -hmm. You can? Okay, all right. So here it goes. Okay, so um, that was just um, a clip I ran across because um, I'm just fascinated that once you start digging into something, I think that's true, when you begin to research something, you begin to see it in various places you've never seen it before. And so there are these places that if you'll keep your eyes open, that draws upon this concept of a wounded healer, And uh, we might say that Jesus is the pioneer of that. And um, that's what we're going to tease out a little bit more in the weeks ahead. Okay. So any thoughts, comments, questions uh, before we close off tonight? I could see the video, but I couldn't hear it. No. Okay. I couldn't hear it either. Okay. Yeah. I had it through the, the computer here. Um, So I apologize for that. I still haven't found a good way to to do the videos thing, I guess. So I keep trying different methods and I keep being wounded. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, yeah, someday, (laughs) anyways, any other thoughts that you might have? Interesting stuff, yeah. Okay, I think uh, when we begin to uh, look at it a little bit more in the life and ministry of Jesus, uh, we'll begin to maybe understand a little bit more about why he did what he did the way he did it. So at least that's my goal. So, okay. All right, we'll say good night. And, All right. uh, have, you have Hope nice. you have a good rest of the evening. Good night, everyone. I will see you Sunday. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Uh,